We are here on a Tuesday. It is losing sucks. The yeah, baby. Best day of the week. I'm here with Travis Masterson. I am Dustin Blanton. We are losing sucks. We got episode 59 here. We've got some fun stuff to talk about. But Travis, why do I always like we're we're still in the middle of the Scott Fish Bowl? Rosters are, are we? completed. We're who who is in the we? middle? Okay, I'm Austin, still in the, the Austin middle. division is the only division that's not done. <laughs> that wouldn't shock me. That wouldn't shock me. They're keeping We've it had... weird and really slow. Well, Austin likes to keep it weird. And yes. we're just we're just out here doing the most. It's uh it's doing a the lot least. Of fun. Yeah. <laughs> You're doing the most. Yeah. I love like Ben said, the new background. Dustin's got a new studio in the works. This is our first look at it. We're getting official out yeah. here. Yeah. Um, so please, you know, we're, there might be some bumps and bruises. Uh, trying to make sure everything is is copacetic. Um, so it'll, there will be some tweaking. But yeah, the the new digs feel nice. Uh, just moved in the middle of the hottest week of the year here in Texas, and it has been objectively awful. Uh, yes. For those <laughs> that don't know, that don't live in Texas. It the real feel temperature for the last seven or eight days has been 113 degrees. Perfect for Dustin to move into his new house and studio. Boyd, mm. what up, man? I see you with the eyeballs down there. One of our favorites. Yeah, what's going on, man? Good to have and you. And biggest competitors. You will not see a Boyd roster that is not in the playoffs. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's um, it's good to have everyone here. Um, we're going to be talking some. New York Giants. We're gonna be talking some Washington Commanders. Delicious. Um, two two guy or two teams that everybody loves to talk about. But uh, that's a joke. That's a joke. No one no one likes to talk about these teams. Look, we're essentially doing this as a charity. Okay. You we're might like it more after we get into it. You might. It, you might. I looking into some of these things. Like I've looked into these teams, you know, over the course of the off season, and I'm. I'm growing. I'm growing to to like some of these pieces. One because there's value. You get some of these guys that you would think that they're like dead, and you, it's just it's insane to me. Like there's still value here. Um, we're also going to be talking. Got some People got burned by yeah. a lot of these guys last year, and they actually were dead. Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, these guys were dead last year. Are they back to life? I don't know. I don't own any shares of either one. Right. But there are shares of both of these offenses that I am very excited about. Yeah. Uh, like I said, uh, there there are still going to be some useful pieces. We're talking J.K. Dobbins. We're going to be talking some red zone efficiency. But uh, first off, let's 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 talk about the Scott Fishbowl. Travis, how do you feel about your team? You finally finished up your draft. How do you feel? You went on a massive kicker run, and you ended up as one of the teams with the most kickers on your roster. So... So, in uh, all of the Scott Fishbowl, yeah, in all of the Scott Fishbowl league, I think two of us out of the thousands and thousands of teams have five kickers. Yeah. So, I th I kind of like that because any kind of differ differentiator is a good thing yeah. in a tournament league. So, right. Um, I didn't get Justin Tucker, but I got I what I believe to be four or five of the next best, and. <laughs> what we saw today, one of our friends, Eric, sent us something 
that a good kicker was the equivalent of T Higgins last year in the Scott Fishbowl. So yeah. when you when you get to that tenth round plus and you're thinking, do I go handcuff running back? Do I go Gainwell or Evan McPherson? It's no right. contest. McPherson I mean, is giving you T yeah. Higgins type numbers in this format, which is wild. Yeah. I mean it's so for those of you who aren't familiar, the the kickers receive decimal points for their field goal. So if you kick a you know forty two yard field goal, that's four point two points, and it's it's nice because uh, you can flex kickers in the Scott Fishbowl. And I just went and picked up Justin Tucker um, in the twelfth round, and then right around the thirteenth round, I grabbed Evan McPherson. Uh, so two guys that essentially are going to be wide receiver twos and some weeks wide receiver ones in terms of points and nobody wants to draft them because they have a K in front of their position. It, it blew, you know, we were talking in our chat and you know, I was really torn between some running backs because my plan was going in like, okay, upside running backs at the end of the draft. Well, now you look at the, the scoring and you know, and from new information comes to light that these kickers are scoring like wide receivers. Why would you pass up? that kind of value. So if that was the rule in our home leagues or yeah. dynasty leagues, if we could flex a kicker, I would do it all the time. Yeah. The I chances went back of, and... of Matt Gay giving you 12 versus right. Gainwell well, giving Matt you Gay, 12 is much if you higher. If you would have had Matt Gay on your roster at, you know, in the playoffs, like Matt Gay was putting up, you know, teens, like points in the teens for like five straight weeks. And like, that's, that's clutch. You, if you have an offense that's clicking and you're constantly on the the plus side of the field, you're you're killing it, man. So that's look, it's it's nice to have. Uh, it's it's definitely a strategy, especially if you're still drafting. Make sure you you grab a kicker um, or two. Um, they're still going to be available, but the the top end guys score pretty well. Um, but that's enough kicker talk. Yeah, that's enough kicker. We're sorry. We look, sorry, Kickers but not sorry. I want to jump into what got me heated starting at 8 a.m. this morning. Oh, boy. Rolled out of bed at 7.30, hit the coffee button, opened the laptop to work from home, and I see J.K. Dobbins RB8 overall from multiple Twitter accounts that I respect and and am in leagues with, and it blew my right. mind. Um. I want to talk. So I put up a poll right after J.K. Dobbins versus Antonio Gibson. Sure. They both have negative, fairly negative offseason reports um, with what Washington did in the draft, bringing back J.D. McKissick after he mm. was a bill for about 20 minutes. Right. And J.K. Dobbins' recent report of still being injured enough to maybe miss the start of the season. Given both of these negative reviews, I put up the poll. Antonio Gibson won the poll, 190-something votes. Antonio Gibson, I think, had 53 or 54%. I lean Antonio Gibson over J.K. Dobbins. Where do you stand before I enlighten you on this debate? Interesting. Not that, not, not that you're needing to be enlightened, but I have done some research on this throughout the day. Sure. Um, I'll tell you, look, I've been hurt by Antonio Gibson. I've, I've been hurt by both of these guys. Look, J.K. Dobbins almost caused me to have to spend 24 hours in a Waffle House, okay? For those <laughs> of you who need to understand my relationship with J.K. Dobbins as well. But given 
the the landscape of each team, given how I expect them to perform in, in usage wise, I for me it's almost a watch wash, but I lean J.K. Dobbins. Oh uh, my gosh. I'm not going to say he's going to be a running back, you know, the running back eight, but given a choice between the two, I'm probably going to go with J.K. Dobbins, who profiles, at, you know, in probably a more successful offense, probably more. What, what is the zone. argument what, when you compare their roles? Mm-hmm. What does Dobbins have the advantage over Gibson in what area? Um. Well, so third down work. I mean, we're probably you. You'll probably still see um, Dobbins in. He's ne- he does he doesn't necessarily have a his role isn't going to script him out of those game scenarios. Whereas we know in in Washington, JD McKissick is a third down back. You know he doesn't. Yeah, he's got you know guys like Gus Edwards. You know they brought in Mike Davis for whatever reason, and you of course have. Uh, Lamar Jackson, who is, he's a quarterback, but he acts as a running back in that offense. I, it's tough for me. It's, is the ceiling higher for Gibson? Sure. But is the floor coming off of an RB 10 season with a broken leg? Yeah. He put the team on his back though. I don't. Greg Jennings. (laughs) I don't, I don't buy the whole, he was, yeah, he was running back 10, but. He, he in no 300 way. touches great he's not gonna see that he's not gonna see i that agree i've got that on the show sheet it's about to be in my in my if ted you, talk on antonio if Gibson. you had him last year like i did you don't feel like you had the running back 10 like weekly value he might have accumulated enough points to be the running back 10 but you i i i probably attribute that to other guys just weren't there or weren't playing well or were injured uh i just having him on my roster i i was actively looking to trade him the entire season because it was constantly you know his touches are going to be managed because of a shin problem his touches are going to be managed because of a toe problem you know you're you're constantly it was a headache but a, a huge a huge percentage of running backs are a Injury report headache that comes right, with but the position. You're but talking he's still about like, suited up and was ready to rock. You drafted him though at at the yeah, end that's, of the that's first true. round. You know, especially like we we uh we play in a standard league. So especially if you play in a, a old school standard league, Gibson didn't have a bunch of touchdowns. It's not like he was having these game saving weeks. Like he scored a touchdown in weeks where it was just enough to give you a disappointing week. You know, so. Antonio Gibson, like his his floor, in my opinion, is lower than J.K. Dobbins because I don't really feel like there's a world where uh, J.K. Dobbins doesn't get any of the goal line carries, whereas Antonio Gibson could find himself in a role where he is just the between-the-20s guy, and then they bring in Brian Robinson uh, in a timeshare or... Uh, the offense switches to a rookie quarterback, and now the offense is defunct. Like, there's no situation in Baltimore a where a rookie quarterback over Carson Wentz. Sure, if look, if Carson Wentz comes in and shows that he is an inept starter and he cannot get the job done, and they're you know at the midway point and they're two and six, 
There's no reason that you don't throw Sam Howell out there to see what you got. There's no one on Baltimore's roster, is my point, that they're that Baltimore's thinking, man, let's see what we have in this person. It's Lamar Jackson. It's Mark Andrews. It's Rashad Bateman. We know what that offense is. We don't know what the offense is in Washington outside of uh, Anto- or outside of Antonio Gibson or Terry McLaurin. And that's saying something because Antonio Gibson is a big question mark in terms of where he was last year. So I'm just – I'm more out on on Antonio Gibson, and I I'm interested for you to tell me where their ADPs are and tell me if I'm completely crazy for thinking this. Well, thank you for the invitation because I can't wait. Let's look at this. Um, the Ravens have had one running back rush for ten or more touchdowns in the last four years, which is since Lamar Jackson got there, which was Mark Ingram with ten touchdowns on the dot. Sure. In 2020, which was Dobbins and Gus Edwards' last season playing, Dobbins and Gus split red zone touches. Inside the 10-yard line, Gus Edwards had more touches. Inside the 5-yard line, Gus Edwards had more touches. So between Lamar Jackson taking the rushing touchdowns, Mike Davis and Gus Edwards being there and being bigger backs near the goal line, I don't see Dobbins very often coming in inside the five yard line when they have Gus Edwards, who has shown I can get it done. Um, The narrative around Dobbins, like you're saying, he's a pass catching back just because you're small. Doesn't mean that that's what the team uses you for. Not everybody is Boston, Scott, Darren Sproles, JD McKissick. Dobbins is a great passing, a great pass catching running back to me is a myth so far in his career. 15 games. Mm-hmm. 18 total catches, 18 catches in 15 games. That's ridiculous to give him that, to give him that personality trait or player trait as he's their pass catching back. He's their third down guy. I, then I why would... in 15 games has he had 1.05 catches per game? Sure. Why? Well, all right, so that's a great that's a great point. And how many of those games was Mark Ingram playing over him? Uh that that's a good question. You also bring up the point, you know, where where in in what he has shown is he their pass catching back? That's like he that's hasn't like shown eight. that though. Well, in the NFL, we know he can catch passes. He ca- he caught passes in college. Like Antonio Gibson was a receiver in college. Everybody knows that. Yeah, who's, yeah, and he switched to running back. We know he can catch the ball. The the point that I, I go into maybe with Antonio Gibson is that Ron Rivera doesn't trust him to take on that workload, whereas I think... He just had 43 or 44 catches. Yeah, and who did they bring J- in? J.D. McKissick had one more catch than Antonio Gibson. Yeah, it's because J.D. McKissick missed, missed a bunch of time. He only missed five games. Only missed a third of the season. <laughs> what do you? If you look, if you look at Antonio Gibson's catches per game, okay, they're incredibly more than Dobbins. I know it's a small sample size. I know that well, sure. fifteen games is not a lot. But if you're not, if you have not shown at the NFL level that you are their pass catching back, and I don't know who is. I don't know if they will have one. Lamar Jackson doesn't check down very often. He just takes it and runs to the sideline. It's right. very effective. Why would he stop doing that? Um, 2020, JD had one single target and one catch more than 
Antonio Gibson. Either way, as of now, Antonio Gibson has been the better pass catching back compared to J.K. by quite a bit. Um, and again, Antonio Gibson is playing with a fractured leg last year. We did not get to see the best version of Antonio Gibson. Give him 300 touches. I don't think he gets 300 touches again. I agree with you. Right. Seeing as how they added a rookie who is seems to be an effective rookie or, mm-hmm. or a running back and re-signed J.D. McKissick. A healthy J.D. plus the addition of the rookie. Maybe you take 40 or 50 touches away from Antonio Gibson. But does mm-hmm. a healthy Gibson in a third in his third year um, give you more efficiency, more than 4.8 yards per touch? Probably so. Uh, I expect the them. offense to be better. I expect a healthy Gibson to be better than a hurt Gibson. Um, I mean, it's, it's fumbling issues last year killed him. We we count we don't really count the games. Um, sure. We don't take into account where he played the first half, fumbled, and didn't play the second half. And you saw Jarrett Patterson get 70 carries over the second half of the year. Right. So I lean Antonio Gibson, obviously. Sure. Especially with the news of of JK probably not being ready or unlikely to be a full go at the start of the year. If Gus Edwards and Mike Davis are both healthy and have really strong camps, this could be more of a three-way split than people want. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's there's a case there. Um, I I mean, like I said when we started this, it's it's close to a wash for me. I go more for higher floor, and for me, Antonio Gibson doesn't provide as high of a floor as J.K. Dobbins. Um, for what? Because, Why though? Why? Well, show your work here. What about J.K. Dobbins says I have a better floor than a 300 sure. touch running back last year? So in the time that we saw him during his rookie season, he was the second most efficient running back in the entire NFL. And that is in no small part due to the fact that one, he is a, an incredibly efficient runner, but two, he's in a run friendly scheme, a scheme that okay, I agree. So you have Lamar Jackson, a quarter, a quarterback who has an effect on the defense who holds the linebackers. They can't pursue to the edges. He'll get to the outside and turn the corner who holds the linebackers and he can open up or wait for holes to open up. It's, it's stuff like that. That isn't present in the offense. It's harder to scheme. Not, not to say that Antonio Gibson can't get it done, but it's harder to scheme for uh, you know, a running quarterback than it is for a guy like Carson Wentz. I, it comes back to, it, I see the talent for these two as very equal uh it's 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 not like jk dobbins is this otherworldly talent and, and antonio gibson is just an okay player they're both very talented players and very similar situations like you've brought up good points in terms of there are other guys that can compete whereas the other guys that are competing with jk dobbins mike davis flamed out in atlanta and had one good season in in carolina uh, and needed an injury to do that. I'm not really too worried about that. He could vulture some touches, but I don't expect any volume to be taken. He's also competing with Gus Edwards, who also tore his ACL. It was in, he's in a very similar situation to J.K. Dobbins, and if we're calling everything equal there, I'm giving the edge to J.K. Dobbins. Um, so, if anything, does, I'm... Does the goal line difference in these two guys, does that become... A, or how does it not become a deciding factor? When you look inside the 20... Gibson doubled J.D. McKissick in touches. Inside the 10, he quadrupled J.D. Inside the 5, at the goal line, five times more touches than J.D. McKissick. 
Sure. That is his job. Unless Brian Robinson comes in and says, I'm the goal line guy, mm-hmm. then shit hits the fan, and I'm panicking sure. on the Antonio Gibson because you're yeah. losing. A... He's got I 21 mean, touchdowns in two years, so that's a, yeah. a very it, needed part of his production. Antonio Gibson isn't he has it's not like he has no upside like there's a there's a world where brian robinson just comes in every third or fourth series for the work between the 20s to you know to take away those those touches those low value touches that they don't need to be grinding on gibson for so there is a world where that is why they brought him in and they want antonio gibson to be their high value touch back and he could end up with you know 215 touches 225 touches and you know what? That's 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 good for you know upside running back two, low end running back one numbers. Uh, you know you give him the requisite touchdown um, for those touches, and you know what? There he is. There's there's the case that you can make for a back end RB one season for Antonio Gibson. Conversely, he has to hold on to the football. He does have to hold on. He has to re- seven to- fumbles is atrocious. It is and. You watched and like you made a good point. The the injuries definitely played a role for Antonio Gibson. I bring up Brian Robinson because that you know he is a guy that they just brought in. Every team does this when they're trying to protect their assets that they're trying to build their offense around. You know, you don't have a bell cow running back anymore. So I think Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, it's 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 kind of like um, like you've seen with Austin Eckler these last few years, they're trying to find guys to partner with this guy to keep him fresh throughout the entire season. You don't want to fight injuries with Antonio Gibson all season. With that being said, moving over to J.K. Dobbins, though, the reason I give him the edge and the reason I say there's a higher floor is that I expect the Baltimore offense to be in the red zone or to have scoring opportunities more often than the Washington commanders. I think I Lamar agree with Jackson, uh, I mean, just more weapons to move down the field. And plus I think that defense is also going to be adding to the offensive opportunity. So that's just, that's where it gets. Um, that's where the case comes together for me um, for, for those two guys. Okay. I, my closing bold take here and I don't, I'm still undecided on it on if I want to tweet this because of the, oh. Uh, receipts that will be kept and could yep. be way wrong. But my gut says, and Ben, I know you will like this. J.K. Dobbins finishes the season in the same group and tier as Kareem Hunt and Tony Pollard, not the top 12, top 15 guys. Oh, goodness. If J.K. Dobbins is within a few points of Tony Pollard, I will not be shocked at all. If Antonio Gibson is, I would be very shocked. Oh goodness, that's 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 spicy. That's probably too spicy for me, but I respect you even more for putting it out there. For like, the how internet. how shocked would you be if Tony Pollard just beat out J.K. Dobbins and they both had around RB twenty four seasons? I would be more shocked. Um, well, I mean, if we're both putting him at running back twenty four, I mean, I don't expect Pollard to get enough work to outpace Dobbins. I still think, you know, okay. Dobbins probably going to take a month to, to get going. And then, then it's off to the races. So I'm not, I'm not that worried. I think we're going to see plenty of work for Dobbins to get him in that running back 18 range. Elite pass catching running back JK Dobbins. 
Yeah. You know who else is an elite, <laughs> an elite pass catching running back? Um, a guy that I need to rebound this year, Saquon Barkley. Elite, um, elite, elite. 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 He is an elite running back. We haven't seen the running back one numbers from him in a while, but hear me out, Travis. I don't think that it's necessarily his fault. And I think that this year he's in the best position he's been in since his rookie year. He, his offensive line, according to pro football focus has increased um, in terms of their ranking, at least from the bottom of the league into the upper middle half of the league. They're right around, um, you know, 15, 16 um, for them, which is a huge improvement for, you know, you, you watch the investments that they put in the line. They draft an offensive lineman early in the draft this year to give uh, some solid bookends for Daniel Jones. You know, hopefully they're not going to have the monstrosity of an offense that they had last year. They don't have Jason Garrett um, calling plays, clapping at guys for no reason on the sidelines. You know, you're going to have Brian Dable in there who is creative, who can implement the strengths of his players. Hopefully, you know, the tin man that is uh, Kadarius Tony, as well as the guy that is constantly torn apart in Kenny Galladay. Hopefully they can stay healthy. I've, there's some real weapons here, and I'd like to I'd like to get into them a little bit more because whereas I'm not saying that this offense is going to be top 10, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for this to be a top 15 offense, you know, top 16 offense where it's they score more than it's almost it's way more likely that they score more this year just because it's so much less likely that they're worse than they were last year it's it's almost like there's nowhere to go but up and i know we've said it ad nauseum on this show where the giants literally cannot get worse and if I'm wrong, yeah, I'm gonna take, the only I'm gonna, way to go is up. <laughs> right. I'm going to take this this clip and play it on repeat, and it's going to be a really funny meme. Um, but the the Giants can't get worse. They literally only scored, I think, what nineteen touchdowns last year. It's it's really bad, and so this year I I'm just going to go off on a, on a limb and say they are going to score more. Than 19 touchdowns you've got you've got i'm not going to call kenny galladay a wide receiver one uh, you know he's not he's probably not a wide receiver two but on on a good day team no he's definitely he's probably the top receiver on the team but he he, he, more fantasy points than Kadarius tony given help if they both stay healthy it's possible. So when you sure. say you're not going to call him a one, you're saying you're not going to say he's a top 12 fantasy receiver. Right. I wouldn't call him a top 12 fantasy receiver, um, but he not, could not have a hot weeks. take. Not a hot take. Top no. 24. It's a, it's a lukewarm take. Um, I think chance one to 10 chances. He's the top 24 receiver. I'm a chance. I'll give like a 30% chance. Um, okay. I'll go zero. Wow. Um, what about top 36? <laughs> Okay, I'd give it like a 50% chance. Top <laughs> 50% chance. Why is he going so late? Are people because just his that over are, it? His hamstrings are like paper mache. Like, I don't know what the deal is with this guy. 
Um, but now it's the soft tissue injuries. It's it, they don't get easier as the years go on. And it's not like he has the type of play style where it's like a Justin Jefferson where it's, he's such a good route runner. He wins with separation instead of physical skills. No, he's, he, he goes up and wins contested catches, but he, you can't win a contested catch if you aren't on the field running. So true. I, I think we talked about Kadarius Tony early in the off season, like right. March, April. Um, I drafted him in a lot of startup dynasties just because of watching his highlights. Yeah. I think he has a much better chance to be a top 36 receiver than Galladay. I could be very wrong. Um, Galladay yeah. just is not fun to root for at this point in his career. <laughs> He's when fun. you watch Tony with the ball, it's like, all right, anything could happen. He could house this at any moment. I want yeah. that on my team because that's what I need. I need somebody that can take a 10 yard pass, take it to the right. house and right. make my week. Kenny Galladay. Right. Does he have that left? I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it's really a shame because I want what I want to see from this offense, and we haven't even touched on Saquon Barkley again, and that's what brought us into this conversation. This this offense seems to have the tools to be able to attack a defense at all three levels. You know, you've you've got underneath uh, guys like Wandale Robinson, you've got uh, Kadarius Tony, who we saw him have some inefficiencies in the middle or middle portion media, uh, the intermediate portion of the field, and on deep routes. I think that's more of a product of the offensive line struggles because Daniel Jones, when given time, is actually a very efficient and productive deep ball thrower. That's one of the saving graces for him. So he just hasn't had anyone to throw to. You know, it's go back and watch the Saints game that he played. He played very well. He just had like no one playing at the end of that game. Uh, I think Kenny Galladay was injured. Um, Kadarius Tony was having a great game, but then got ejected um, at the end of that game. It's it's just crazy. It could also stuff happen, happen any moment with him. <laughs> yeah, it's so we need consistency. We need a grown up in the room for them. Um, I'm staying away from all of them. I'm not staying away from Saquon. Saquon at eighty. No, no, no. Is just, just what what Ben is saying is who's the, who's one pass catcher in that offense you're targeting at ADP. The answer for me is none. Just draft somebody else. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, between one uh, Rondale, Tony, Galladay, Shepard. Yeah. Uh, there's not a, and oh. you're going to touch on, on the tight end spot. Maybe that's the one that you throw a dart at, but from sure. the receiver room, just stay away from them. You'll have more fun on Sundays. Right. If you don't have a giants receiver, the giant. Yeah. So yeah, you'll, you'll have more fun if you draft them in best ball, but like you mentioned the tight ends. Um, and then I want to get back to Saquon real quick. Um, Ricky Steele's Jones, Daniel Bellinger. Who do you pick? The answer in your drafts is probably neither, but a streaming candidate. If you have just a regular size bench, you're not drafting either of these guys, but a streaming candidate, Daniel Bellinger is, or Daniel Bellinger is a athletic prospect. They, they, they took him uh, this year. They like him. You've heard Buzz in the offseason talking about he is uh, a possible name that could start right away. I, it's, it's not crazy to assume that this rookie could have an impact. So maybe, especially in your dynasty leagues, you know, pick him up. If he's not available, you can probably get him cheap. I, I think that he's a name that you can, you know, obviously we know the tight end spot is kind of fickle. You need tight you know, touchdowns typically. Take a chance on the kid. 
Um, but Ricky Shields Jones, we've kind of seen what he is. He's a fine backup tight end. He can be good in spots, but you can't really predict where he's at. Ultimately, you're not drafting them, but just keep an eye we on him. Saw somebody with the talent like Evan Ingram do pretty much nothing there. So I, I'm going to have to see it before. Oh, sure. Trusting at all a tight end in that offense. I mean, Evan Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Saquon Barkley, what's not talked about enough. No. Is his receiving work. Sure. Next to Christian McCaffrey. I think he's the best receiving running back in the last five years. Really? Yeah. Wow. Career okay. six tar- career six targets per game. Um, Austin Eckler just led the league in receiving yards for running backs, and mm-hmm. he did that on 5.87 targets per game. Right. So Barkley's career is right in there. His career average for targets. Mm-hmm. I can see that even jumping up with a fully healthy Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones and new offensive coordinator. Why would you not get the ball in his hands as much as possible? If you just give him his average though, he's giving you what Eckler just did, which is over 600 yards on the ground. I mean, through the air. If you think he's around 1100 to 1200 on the ground and you add that 600 receiving plus the 60 to 80 catches that's a top five to six running back regardless of touchdown count that volume is insane and we've seen the pictures you know how we are about pictures on this show yep we love the legs real excited when we see muscles legs Mm -hmm. abs doesn't really matter give me all the legs but i do think that if Saquon Barkley is healthy because of the volume, because of the receiving work, regardless of if the Giants suck or not, he's easily a top 10 running back, probably in the top six. I, look, I, you're not going to hear an argument from me. He's just been very unlucky with his health. You know, you you saw some, some hamstring injuries um, early in the season. I think a lot of that has to do with the the ACL. Um, coming back from those, um, that was a couple of years ago, but then this past year, um, you know, getting rolled up on and then missing, you know, the end of the season, it, he's just been really unlucky and then been on some really poorly managed teams. I think this could be the year where we see this offense really play through him. <clears throat> Daniel Jones did, doesn't play like Eli Manning did, you know, uh, Saquon Barkley, was a huge um, beneficiary of or benefactor. I should say, I shouldn't say beneficiary, um, but he's a big benefactor of Eli Manning checking down. That was his big thing. Whereas yeah, that's true. Daniel Jones doesn't check down as much. He's mobile. He can push the ball down the field. He wants to be a little bit more of a gunslinger. Saquon Barkley. It's taken them a little bit of time to really use him the way that, you see all these other offenses use their running backs. And I think Brian Dable is the guy to really unlock them. Um, so I, I'm really expecting a running back one season out of Saquon Barkley. Like you said, top six, he's a guy that would not shock me to get back into the top three running backs because he is that kind of talent and he's going to get that kind of volume. So uh, the fantasy community needs that. Yeah. Like nobody do. hates Saquon. We all love no. Saquon. We all miss when he's at his best i think the new coaching staff 
is bright enough, obviously, to say, what is the best version of Saquon Barkley? That would right. be 120 targets, Saquon Barkley, which is incredible for fantasy. God, so, that, I mean, that's when he was a top two running back. He got 120 targets. Oh, sure. Yeah. When you look sure. at Saquon Barkley, 35 yards per game receiving about on his career mm-hmm. on average. Right. Christian McCaffrey receiving yards per game, knowing that Barkley's around 35. Where do you put McCaffrey? What do you think? Oh, God. How many yeah, receiving he, yards per game does he average? He's probably got like 65 or something like that. Almost 55. Somewhere between 50 and wow. 55. Wow. Yeah. I mean, per game, I mean, how much of that is including like games where Saquon got injured or stuff like True. that? Like there, there are some ugly games for Saquon that just, I would love, like if, if Saquon can get the usage that Christian McCaffrey gets, that'd be amazing. Um, He's got that so kind of So you're saying Saquon Barkley over J.K. Dobbins? I don't know, man. J.K. Dobbins. Yes. Yes. Saquon <laughs> over J.K. Dobbins uh, for sure. The That's other not... elite pass catching running right. back. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. J.K. Dobbins. Okay. going to be that guy. Uh, Daniel Jones starts his career with 18.9 points per game, which is right. borderline top 10 quarterback in fantasy. Sure. He was useful. Um, he follows that up with a 15.8 points per game and a 15.8 points per game. What yeah. is the real Daniel Jones? Somewhere between 18.9, 19 points and 15.8. I or think like which, which side of that do you think he finished finishes closer to this year? I think he is going to be closer to that 17 range um, this year. Um, in terms of points per game, and I have him as my quarterback 16 on the year. Um, he's he's a guy that saves his 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 hide with with running. You know, that's kind of his, uh, a nice boon that you get. He rushes for roughly, I mean, you can get probably 40 yards out of him, and it it's look he ran for what uh, 300 yards last year, and. That was in 11 games. So I think Daniel Jones is a player who can sneakily get to 500 yards rushing and be, I don't want to hear any conversation about him being a Josh Allen because Brian Dayball's there. He's a rushing quarterback of time of sorts, but he's not nearly as accurate. He doesn't have, he doesn't have the build that Josh Allen has, but Daniel Jones can be a, a top half of the league. He's he's like a Jimmy G who's a little bit more useful. You feel a little bit more comfortable starting Daniel Jones than you do with Jimmy G because Jimmy G doesn't have the ceiling that Daniel Jones does. There's a chance that Daniel Jones rushes for a couple touchdowns and throws for a couple. You know, he's had Jimmy plenty G- of thirty point days. Yeah, and it I think five are or six thirty point games. Yeah, people are always shocked when like, oh, Daniel Jones can do that. Yeah, he's he's mobile like you everyone knows that that clip of him flying he was the fastest player in the nfl that year on the run (laughs) you know what does he have to do nfl wise to keep his job going into next offseason does he stand any chance to be the starting quarterback in 23 yes i mean i see him in the mold of like if they treat him like a ryan Tannehill, play to his strengths Play off a of play action, 
get this dude out of the pocket and moving where he is also more accurate and uh, more versatile and give him natural time to throw. Don't have him stand there in, in the pocket just looking for a flare out or a screen. Like there is a world where he is a, I, I'd even give him quarterback one upside because of the rushing, but you give him in the weapons that he has. I think there's a path to where he is going to need to get them over 500. I think they need to flirt with winning that division. And in that division where crazy things can happen and no team wins that division twice in a row, I think the giants are just in, in competition enough. Um, they need to flirt with that into where they're like, you know what? We can use our draft capital in 2023 to bolster this roster around what we've built this year instead of, okay, this piece that we have in place cannot get us there. We have to replace it. So I think they need to be over 500. I think he's got to pass for, you know, 38 to 4,000 yards, uh, 3,800 to 4,000 yards. And I think he's got to put up, you know, middling to, you know, 25 to 20 or 25 to 30 touchdowns and, low teen interceptions to give them hope, you know, show this. So team that- in, in his fourth year, mm-hmm. if they finish, when they finish last in the division, he keeps his job for year five. I think there's a good chance that he is back in that. that I quarterback can't room. see it. five years sure. of last in the division. I don't think they're going to finish last in the division. I think you're giving the commanders way too much rope i think they that team is not as good as people want to believe like their defense the washington defense mm-hmm. crumbled going into last season yeah but going into last year was projected to be a top three defense maybe number one yeah. in the league sure they dealt with injury they dealt with uh failures all across the defense yep. i think if yep. they get that sorted out and Wentz manages enough. Wentz has shown he can win that division. Um, well, yeah, he has also shown that he can't beat the Jaguars. So it's like, which Wentz are you getting? <laughs> you know what? I think Carson Wentz and the Washington Commanders absolutely finish above the Giants. I don't think they do. I I don't think they do. I think... I think that the commanders are going to be out um, pretty early. And I think that Wentz is pulled, you know, throughout the season. And then I think wow. Ron Rivera loses his job. <laughs> so. Wow. And I think very similarly, Daniel Jones, if it doesn't go well, um, we see Tyrod Taylor at some point. We're not going to see Tyrod Taylor. I think Daniel Jones can be that frustrating if he plays terribly or is banged up that Tyrod Taylor comes in and tries to give him a spark. We could both be very wrong. We probably are. We could. We could. Um, yeah, we, we could. But I, I, I really do. I believe it. I, I, I've always been like a really closeted Giants fan. I don't know what it no, is. No, you can't be a closet everyone fan. I just okay, love Detroit, the Detroit already Travis, owns that. I love football. I, yeah, I understand. I do too. But you can't love all the teams. They can't yes, all I can. Be... Do you love them like you love Detroit? No, I don't love anyone no. like I love Detroit. I don't. Wow. Detroit has a special place in my heart. Justin Fields needs to clog his ears while you say that. 
<laughs> All right. Speaking of the Washington Washington Commanders offense, we've already touched on Antonio Gibson quite a bit. Yep. I have him in the RB 12 to 18 range, if all goes as planned, over guys like Elijah Mitchell, A.J. Dillon, and J.K. Dobbins. Okay. It's I think crazy. he finishes in that tier, but at the top sure. of that tier. I would prefer okay. him to those three guys. Um, Terry McLaurin. Okay. These numbers shocked me. I know Terry has been surprisingly good for what we thought. Uh, well, not what we, you thought he was always going to be very good. I just have been very cautious with young receivers. Um, But when you look at his career average per 17 games, so a full season, it's 138 targets, which Mm -hmm. is very significant volume. For sure. 82 catches over 1100 yards and six touchdowns. That's yeah. That's a three year average. And that's also with the like, quarterbacks that he's had, that gives you 191 fantasy points per year. That know, was that would have been wide receiver six and half point PPR last year. Yeah. But I mean So he is that what? good. He was also playing on two injured was it was it injured feet? I think he I think he had uh like torn plantar fascias or something like that in both of his feet, and he was still playing. Hold on, hold on. Antonio Gibson plays with a with a broken leg, and you say I don't care, and then your boy Terry plays with a bruise on his foot, and <laughs> you say he's a warrior, and say he did this on on a hurt foot. He mm-hmm. was wide receiver six or whatever on a hurt yeah. foot. Yeah. Can I get some consistency here? Okay, but like who? <sighs> What's the would you point? rather have a fractured leg or a sore foot? I would rather have someone not injured on my fantasy roster. That's okay. who I would rather well, have. Then don't take Gibson because he'll be on that injury report every week. Right. And that's just the thing with, with Terry McLaurin. You know, it, it, he was banged up and he doesn't have a he hasn't had good quarterback play. Let me tell you what's improved. His feet don't hurt as much until he looks up and thinks about faking an injury when he sees he has to play with Carson Wentz. Like, he wasn't holding out for money. He was holding out in the hopes that Carson Wentz wouldn't be on the team and it was all just some elaborate joke. (laughs) No. Are you telling me Carson Wentz is not the best quarterback he's played with? Yeah, I am. And that's saying something. No, I'm saying that he is the best quarterback that he has played with. That's I'm okay. Sorry, that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yes, that is the best quarterback that he's played with. Um, I and that's so sad. It's he's gonna have a DJ Moore like career where it's like we never get to see him with an actual quarterback. You know, but he's still younger. We could still see it, maybe. But it's not looking good. It's not looking good. And Carson Wentz is not that good either. So when it comes down to it. Terry He's Mc- next. <laughs> Terry McLaurin. Another Carson Wentz segment. <laughs> if Terry McLaurin has another, he, I he's gonna get another 130, <clears throat> 140 targets. He's gonna catch probably around 90 balls. We'll probably see a little bit more efficiency, but he's still gonna be in that lower third in terms of catch rate. He's still gonna see you know that same inefficiency from the quarterback because Carson Wentz is not super accurate consistently. He'll have games, but. Fair. It's going to be like kind of one of those things where it's like Terry McLaurin will be consistent enough to make you feel like he has upside, but 
he is not going to have the consistency around him to make you feel like he ha- he has any shot to reach his potential. He's just a guy that's going to be like, you hope he falls because you want some value. Otherwise, you're going to take him because you feel like there's some hope that he turns into player that in the back of your mind, you know he can't be. And that's where I'm out. That's why I don't draft Terry McLaurin unless he is at a value. If you get him in like the fifth round, awesome. If you have to take him before any of that, I'm out. I think I'm fine with him at his price. So I'm not going to pull the trigger on him over Michael Pittman, Mike Williams group. I don't think he belongs in that tier because of what you're saying. The touchdown upside is very limited compared to Pittman and Mike Williams. He's closer to like the Elijah Moore. Yes, right after that group. But I would take him over Elijah Moore. I think right after that group. Yeah, Rashad Bateman. No, I would take Rashad Bateman. Yeah, I think they'll be real. I think they'll be very close. I think I'm yeah. fine with going Bateman because of that offense. But if you are on the clock and you're thin at, at wide receiver mm-hmm. and Terry's there, I don't think you should feel bad about taking him. I think you'll get plenty of really good weeks. He will average out to be a wide around wide receiver 15 to 20. So yeah. I expect another over a thousand yards, seven plus touchdowns, 140 targets. That's very, very valuable. Yeah. And his price is not through the roof. Um, for sure. We've talked a lot of Carson Wentz. Yeah. Over the last five years, over 18 points per game average. He finds a way to get it done enough. He is serviceable. Give him Terry Dotson, Curtis Samuel, Logan Thomas, Gibson, JD McKissick. I think it's, could be the best group of weapons we've seen Wentz have. Oh, really? He will be sporadic. We know that. That is who Carson Wentz is. He will have two to three game stretches where you think he could get cut. And then he'll come out for three or four weeks and beat the Cowboys, beat the Eagles, have 22 to 25 fantasy points. Right. Um, Obviously, we don't we we don't want him as a number one quarterback, but I'm not going to let him go undrafted either. I prefer him to somebody like Matt Ryan because of the legs, uh, because of I the weapons. I think can't do it. And that I think he can get it done. 18 points per game is nothing to to just brush off over a no. five year career. That's like quarterback 16 numbers, long, and that's that's great. That's like he'll he'll be like 16 to 14, you know, on at the end of the year. But there are going to be games like you're not going to. He is a streamable quarterback, sure. But yes. other than that, Carson Wentz, like there, it's there are, less about Wentz fantasy wise than it is about can he support those weapons. Right, right. Can he? Sure. I feel like that's in his range of outcomes. He can put together. You know, he can he can serve as a, a, a wide receiver. <clears throat> you know, low end wide receiver one maybe, and that's like at the top range of his outcomes. I don't see that being a likelihood. I I, yeah. I think Terry McLaurin's a wide receiver two. I think Jahan Dotson is a uh, gamble at wide receiver three on weeks, and uh, Logan Thomas will have his weeks. You know, as long as he shows that he's healthy, and the rest of the guys. Yeah, met. Terry. If Terry's my wide receiver two, I'm happy with it. He's one of those guys that you look at if you're starting three receivers and you see Terry as your two. I would sure. feel fine with that. Yeah. What that uh, means okay. is that my running backs are very right. strong. Right. 
Because if you're if you're getting Terry McLaurin in the fifth as your wide receiver two, yeah, the rest of your team you probably got a good tight end, good couple running backs, good wide receiver one. Sure, Terry is your you could do worse as your wide receiver yeah. two. Um, uh, Logan Thomas, let me give you thirty seconds on something that shocked me. Okay. Um, obviously he's nothing more than a bye week filler, but if you're very right. very shallow at tight end, he is that type of guy that I think you're going to get more playable weeks than you would expect just looking at his name. Um, he got hurt last year, as we know, but in a full 2020 season, he out-targeted, listen to these names, Zach Ertz, Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson, Rob Gronkowski in his last full season. Um, is he as talented as those guys? Obviously not. Yeah. But he is better than the reputation that he has in the fantasy community. And he's paced out at 110 targets per season over the last two seasons. That's very playable. I think um, Logan Thomas should not go undrafted. If if you're in the 14th, 15th round, that's a guy I would target to pair with a guy like a Cole Komet or Dallas Goddard, who if things fall apart and Logan Thomas has found some chemistry with Wentz, you might pivot. Right. I think right. he'd be okay with that. Yeah, that's fair. Um, uh, you're always looking for that value at tight end and Logan Thomas is a favorite and we know that Carson Wentz likes his tight ends. So, you know, that's a, that's a dart throw and you also have some statistical favor on your side. I like it. I like, I like Logan Thomas. He's someone I, I target late. Um, can, can we just, can we go back to this, this conversation about Matt Ryan though? Because, <laughs> Wait, wait, Matt Ryan is actually in the next segment. His name is there. Yes, I put it is. in here on purpose because I have a very serious question that not a lot of people want to think about, including myself. Okay. And it, it, it revolves around the keywords of the show per Dustin, mm -hmm. which are red zone efficiency. Yep. Um, I will let you, it's on the show sheet. I will let you go ahead and introduce us to red zone efficiency. Obviously, why is it so important? Is it the mm -hmm. end all be all? Is it a deciding factor between two guys that you feel similarly about? Mm -hmm. um, what is it to you? Is it that important? Red zone efficiency to me, um, it can serve as a tiebreaker, um, but things have to be really close. It's not one of those things that like I, okay, if these two guys are right here, first thing I look at is red zone efficiency. It plays a part, but it's not the first thing I look at. Um, so you brought up two names, you know, Michael Pittman, Terry McLaurin. Um, obviously, I feel like the offense for the Colts is going to be better. You, you know, we have we have listed here that Matt Ryan and the Falcons have been, um, you know, the bottom third or bottom quarter team in the last three years. The Falcons have also been absolutely terrible the last few years. Um, Julio has been aging; he's constantly injured. Julio Jones just d wasn't catching touchdowns for the longest time. Um, that that's was, not a that's not a last three year thing. No, that was for that's one hundred and thirty five games. Yeah. Yeah, it's, but that's the thing. You you go in and look at what <laughs> you got. Yeah, thank you, Patrick, for the reminder. Twenty eight to three. <laughs> um, <laughs> poor Matt Ryan. So, I 
one, I view Julio and, and Michael Pittman very similar. Um, just because Julio wasn't finding the end zone doesn't mean Michael Pittman won't. What um, about them do you find similar? Um, other than their race and position in the NFL? About Michael Pittman? And Julio, and Julio Jones. Jones? Well, they're yes. both big Pro- body Prime receivers. Julio Jones. Yeah, they're both they're both big physical receivers. Um, they I think Michael Pittman is an underrated route runner. Um, but Michael Pittman wins at the point of the catch, and so did Julio Jones. Um, my, Matt Ryan has a lot of trust. He's also very accurate. I, I feel like he throws guys open more. So I think that having that kind of quarterback with Michael Pittman is only going to serve him um, to be better. Uh, and I think you're going to, you're just, it's not like efficiency is going to be bad for Michael Pittman. Um, granted red zone efficiencies. A lot of it is luck. Um, you know, we, we've talked about how many times different receivers could have had a much different season had, yeah. uh, you know, three or four or five catches not been tipped or a touchdown called back. Tackled um, at the one. Exactly. But Michael Pittman, in, in terms of the the context of this, I just I go with who's going to be in the red zone more. Okay. The red zone efficiency is important. Um, but we're not really gonna know those numbers until we get into the season. Like you said, the Falcons were bottom, you know, eight the the last three years. The Colts have a much better team than the Falcons have had the last three years. They also have a much better running game now than the last three years, which um, coincides with more consistent red zone opportunities. Um, I think it's a Matt Ryan thing, though. You think so? That's what scares you know what that me. Is? Is 135 that's games with Julio Jones. Yeah. Averages 0.4 touchdowns per mm-hmm. game. In fairness, though, when you get in the red zone and you have Julio Jones on the field, who do you think the well, the defense wants to take away first? They're going like, to do that to Pittman, though. Well, sure, but Julio Jones is one of the one of the best wide receivers we've ever seen. Yeah, Un, the one of the most freakish athletes, mm-hmm. thoroughbred, run right by you, crisp right. route runner, amazing hand, like physically dominant receiver. Yeah, I'm not comfortable putting Michael Pittman in that conversation with Julio Jones. Well, no, I'm not. I'm not trying to compare the two, but like, if Julio if, Jones over 135 games averages less than seven touchdowns a year, I'm fine assuming that Michael Pittman sure. would get seven to eight. Unless you're I mean, telling me Michael Pittman is a lot closer to a Mike Evans type, who dominates at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, that's, and maybe that's, I need to watch more Michael Pittman, but. Mike, yeah, I think if you give him if you give him Julio's average of seven touchdowns, Pittman's really going to struggle to be a top fifteen receiver. I don't look. You, if you're giving him another player's average, I think that to put Pittman there. So one, Pittman is is he's he's going to have the lion's share of the targets. Okay, he's going to have volume on his side in this offense. He, like you brought up a great name in Mike Evans. They are very similar players, um, winning at the line of scrimmage. They, they also they win in pretty much every uh, quadrant of the field. And now that he's got a more accurate quarterback. But with that, without a side, if we're just sticking to Michael Pittman's you know merits alone, 
we've seen guys have it's not even an outlier season and i would call the colts a plus offense um it's not crazy to think that he could have 10 11 12 touchdowns because he we, we give that credit to like a guy like cd lamb when he's the only target in dallas true who else is there to throw to in in indianapolis and you've got a good running hey, game. Don't, like don't the- disrespect your boy. You've been well, you've been with him for four or five years. Now you're not even going to mention his name. Who? Paris Campbell. Paris- He's one of your OGs. Yeah, he he. You is- have to ride or die. I, that's my I Ronald Jones. I have died for three oh, straight no. years, Travis. It's over. Are you saying that you and Paris Campbell are officially done? You're I'm not going to tell- give him one more year. We're still going to counseling, but I'm living at my brother's place. Like that's that's it's on the rocks, man. It's it on the rocks. Rocky. Like he's, he's gonna have to make the move now. He's gonna have to show me that he's in it as much as I am. Okay. <laughs> okay. So you're seeing a more efficient Matt Ryan in this Colts offense. Yes. Um yes. and a just fine Michael Pittman touchdown wise. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. I I'm a little scared because this could be who Matt Ryan is when you it get in the be. red zone. It absolutely could be. There's a huge sample size that says that, but things do change. Uh, right. Ben makes a good point that he's never had a running back that they have to respect like they do Jonathan Taylor. Um, red zone efficiency, who has been historically good? This is one that I think mm-hmm. makes this statistic very important. Yeah. Um. Minnesota has been in the top 10 the last three years in a row. What does this say to me? When I dig a little deeper, what I find is Adam Thielen absolutely eats in the red zone. We all know that he is a touchdown monster. We all know that he is efficient all over the field, but particularly inside the 10, 15 yard line, Adam Thielen is that dude. Yeah. Um, he has led the Vikings in red zone catches in four straight years. That's with Justin Jefferson, Stefan Diggs, Dalvin Cook. It doesn't matter who your alpha is on the offense. When you get right. in the red zone, Kirk Cousins is looking at Adam Thielen. And Adam That's Thielen right. is getting open. I don't think that changes this year. Draft Adam Thielen at or above ADP every time you see him there falling whatsoever and yeah. you need a third receiver or a sec. I'm fine with Thielen. Like, would you feel better on a week-to-week basis with Adam Thielen or Terry? Oh, gosh. You know what? Probably Thielen. And he's going two or three rounds later, at least. That's a great point. So if you're point. going to – if you're looking at wide receiver twos with, who need – you know, you need a value pick, Adam Thielen right. is that guy. And I know Ben has been on Adam Thielen big time in all these mocks. Maybe yeah. I'm late here. I've liked him. I haven't liked him as much as Ben. Doing this exercise, looking at the red zone, he is one of the best red zone, outside of Devontae Adams, uh, best red zone targets in the NFL. Yeah. I like it. I like it. For sure. Man. You also, man, you also have a fun stat up here that Tennessee has, has been first, second, ninth, the last three years that blew my mind that's red zone efficiency tennessee's on average the number one team in the nfl over the last three years 
I just feel like everyone thinks of them as like a bad offense. They're like, they're like I a, do, but I'm like, ooh, gross. But and then you look at the red zone, and it's like they're punching it in at the yeah. highest rate in the NFL. It's like you think that there's no way that they have they don't have the other weapons that everyone else has. Like they're they're a hardcore run first team. But then you think like, okay, but how do you stop Henry? It's like unless Henry just absolutely breaks down and looks like a shell of himself. You still don't have an answer for a a six foot four or six foot two, whatever he is, two hundred and fifty pound hammer Mack truck, and then yep. the guy has enough stamina to he's still going to be hitting you in the face in the fourth quarter when you're exhausted and you can't tackle him. Like I and went the back coaching staff this. that that wants that to be their identity. It's yeah, the and that is combo. their identity. That is their identity, and. You AJ Brown is gone, but in you even if even if Burks you know replaces half of what he had, you you're still not able to stop their their number one. In my opinion, they have an improved number two in Robert Woods now, and it's just where I this team is going to stay right where it's been for me, and Robert Woods is going to be a value at ADP. Traylon Burks is going to be a value. I. I That's really... my question with the passing game. Do you, Dustin, think with the departure of A.J. Brown, do Robert Woods, Burks, and Austin Hooper provide enough of a passing threat to prevent eight in the box? Does it even matter Yes, who absolutely. is lining up outside? Absolutely do. Absolutely. They because do. Okay. Robert, you think, like, Robert Woods is so underrated. He reminds me of a very discount Debo Samuel. He can be used in a lot of the same ways. He's very versatile, gets open. Tannehill's going to love him. He, he is he, like, exactly. You know what, Ben, you, you, I love that you said, no, Tennessee is trash. That is exactly what everyone <laughs> says. That is exactly why everybody on that team is he's be, in the division. Ben's in the division. Right. <laughs> he's going to be, it's going to suppress all of those players. And I love it. I'm grabbing Robert Woods all the time as my wide receiver four. And yep. you know what? I'm going to put him in my flex a lot of weeks and people are going to be like, how did this player score 14 points, 15 points and beat me this week? Oh, that's right. Because Robert Woods gets open in the red zone. Oh, that's Robert right. Woods he's rolls pretty- out of bed in double digits. Yeah. Week in and week out. All he is is consistent. Yeah. And now you're telling me he's probably going to be the pseudo one or two wide receiver on that team. Like, come on, man. Like, we're way too low on Robert Woods and this team is going to continue to be efficient in the red zone because they have a hammer at running back. They've got guys that can get open and they've got a team that knows its identity. Like come and on. The division is trash. Exactly. Out, like outside of Indy. Right. Derrick Henry for those four weeks is a threat to run for 200 yards every time right. for the last five years. That's right. That's right. Um, what changed and how could it look this year is the next question on the show sheet and the last question of the show tonight. What, what I found as, yeah, the three biggest changes for me are this. Seattle, obviously with Russell leaving, they are going to go from a perennial top 10 red zone efficiency team to a bottom team. Yep. Who does this really affect is my question because I don't think of DK or Lockett as red zone monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess Lockett takes the biggest hit here. 
because it, he's crafty so, and, and finds a way and he and Russ kind of have that thing going, but yeah, like they're it's do you see Lockett because, getting eight touchdowns. No, I, I see them. They, all it does is make this offense more unpredictable. Um, I don't think it really changes much because it's not like you're going from this high exposure passing offense to this low volume. It's always been low volume. It's been, it's going to be low efficiency, but the nice thing about DK Metcalf never needed efficiency. He, will be a target hog as well in terms of, you know, subjectively in this offense. Um, and then Tyler Lockett, he always, he was big play or just kill you underneath. Um, I think Tyler Lockett's going to be more inconsistent. DK Metcalf is fine. He's still going to be, his ceiling is lower, but I think he's plug him in as your wide receiver one. If you get him at a good ADP, um, probably a wide receiver two, I ideally in the right setup, but, uh, he's going to be a higher end wide receiver two, lower end wide receiver one for me. I think I have him at wide receiver 12 right now. And DK Metcalf, there's still no one in the league that can really cover DK Metcalf. So I, I'm not, I'm not really. At, Jacob asked a good question or, or makes a good point. Yeah. Do you, because DK Metcalf, you're going to have to take in the fourth or fifth, lock yeah. it, you're going to get in the eighth or ninth, something like right. that. Right. Do you like Lockett better at cost? I personally do, because um, that's your sure. wife. That's kind of that's Robert Woods territory. Do you prefer Robert Woods or Tyler Lockett? I prefer Robert Woods. Okay. Um, I think they're about the same. Whoever's there, if you need one, I'm fine with either one. Sure. That's I flex. don't want to spend. I don't want to spend her fourth or fifth on DK. No, same. Like you're gonna have to draft him over guys we just talked about, Michael Pittman. Mike Williams, mm. like that's who he's going with. And I don't see him having the same ceiling. So both right. of us at cost are probably out on DK at the moment. Mm. Um, the last or the second to last one, San Francisco, obviously some change there. Is there right. change? Jimmy G per Ian Rappaport, the mm. San Francisco 49ers are very excited with where he is right now. Maybe he comes in and wins the job in camp. Highly unlikely. We won't do that right now. Yeah. Um, but he just gave them top 10 red zone efficiency in back-to-back -back seasons. My question to you and you guys listening, does it drop off with basically a rookie quarterback in Lance or do the weapons of Debo, Kittle, Elijah Mitchell, and Ayuk get it done either way in the red zone, regardless of if Lance struggles? I mean, it's something I really want to look into, but in my opinion, I feel like Elijah Mitchell is the one who isn't hurt as much as Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle. And the reason is, anytime you have a rushing quarterback and a new rushing quarterback, it takes passing opportunities out of the offense. Yes, drives are typically extended longer because of the running. But you are also, you know, once you get in the red zone, uh, and again, the overarching um, theme is the red zone efficiency. It's harder for a less experienced, inaccurate quarterback, and Trey Lance is inaccurate. Um, he, it's going to be tough for those scoring opportunities. So you might see more, um, more volume, I guess. Um, I guess more opportunities to get into the red zone to score. But I don't. I think it's going to hurt everyone who isn't Elijah Mitchell. Um, I think I I agree with you with Ayuk and Kittle. I'm scared for them come red zone time. 
Debo, sure. I think they force feed and find a way to get in the ball, but yeah, I'm nervous I mean, for Kittle. Man. I, I love Debo Kittle. Will... He's one of my favorite players in the league, but man, when those, when those windows get really small inside the 10, you know, they may not even let Lance do that. They may just go RPO and take the field goal if they don't get it. I like one of my bold takes for this year is that like, I shouldn't say it's not going to be that bold. It's it's very likely, uh, or at least it's somewhat likely, is that George Kittle is going to be the leading receiver um, for the the 49ers, mostly because it's easier to scheme for a tight end and a rookie than it is to help the – and one, it's just one of the things that Kyle Shanahan's great at. Um, he's going to make it easier for, for his quarterback, whether Trey Lance can be proficient enough to – facilitate a wide receiver one season again for Debo remains to be seen, but it's less things need to be happen. And Trey Lance need, doesn't need to be as good to take advantage of a tight end. Who is a bigger body who's versatile. And in the middle of the field where typically RPOs tend to take place a little bit easier to find your tight end. Uh, what scares me. And I like that take. I hope that that Kittle is just fine. He's actually a little bit of a value, I think. He's going like fourth, fifth round right now. Mm -hmm. What scares me is what Kittle does best, better than any tight end in the league, is block. Right. And so if you are protecting, not hiding, but just kind of giving Trey Lance a little bit of training wheels, mm -hmm. George Kittle blocking for you and really establishing your identity through Elijah Mitchell and Debo. Right. George Kittle's not the kind of guy that's going to say, Hey man, I haven't gotten the ball all game. Right. He's not going to be the squeaky wheel. He gets off on blocking guys. Yeah. Like that's his great. thing. If they're running over people and it's because he's running over people, he's going to say, keep doing it. I don't need the ball. I'm doing everything right. Just like this. Right. So, Maybe that's too deep into it. Uh, maybe his his patch, pass catching ability and speed is something that they're going to use regardless. But I think if they get rolling and are running all over people with that RPO, I don't think it's a high-volume pass offense whatsoever. Kittle no, scares me. No. He's going to be such a boomer bust guy every week. For sure. I, he, he definitely could be. Um, Trey Lance, over under 10 rushing touchdowns, though. Um I probably take the under on that. I take um, the under. Yeah. Hertz just felt like a lot, and I think he had eight. Yeah. It felt like every time you turn the TV on, Hertz is rushing a touchdown. For sure. All right, For last sure. point, Dustin. Do you agree with this? Okay. Cincinnati has been bottom third of the league, shocker, in back-to-back -back years in red zone efficiency. Wow. I cannot imagine that it would be a third in a row. I think they they um, get it going in the red zone with those weapons and a third-year Joe Burrow. Do you see them as a top-10 red zone efficiency team? Do they make a huge jump? Um, whew, That's tough because it's all about – I mean, red zone is so tough. I mean, it's it's scheme, really. I, I would say they're going to improve that. I don't think they're going to be bottom three again. Um, but bottom third, bottom third. Yeah. 
I, I, I could see it again, to be honest with you. I could see it. Really? I could. Um, yeah, because, yeah, their offensive line is better. Um, but at the, it's like it's like one of those things where red zone efficiency changes year to year. Like, you can have a bad team become a great team. We've seen Tom Brady Super Bowl teams be terrible in the red zone. You know, yep. like, we have seen the, the this happen before. Tampa. Tampa 2020 was not good in the red zone. Yeah, it like but these teams are successful overall exactly so i i would say i wouldn't be shocked if cincinnati was in the bottom third but that doesn't mean they're not going to score 60 touchdowns this year you know like it yeah just it just goes with the offense um so no i would not good so evan evan mcpherson you're still you still got him as a top three I do, I do, yeah. Um, as far as kickers go, love it. Um, yeah, <laughs> top him, three overall, Scott Fishbowl player. I, I love it, man. I'm really, I'm trying to be different, you know, in Scott Fishbowl. So this is my first year. I'm excited to play. Man, that was like a good it. show, though, man. That was a good show. You, I'm, I'm liking how this this studio's coming together. We're it looks uh, good. Appreciate it, appreciate it. We're gonna have to. Uh, have to make some changes, but yeah, man, I, I'm really hoping the audio comes out well. I'm hoping everything turns out really good. Um, but only one way to find out. I appreciate right. you guys coming by, man. Yeah, thanks, we thanks uh, we recorded there. last week. We did a mock draft, but my audio was yep. bad. So we will do that same type of mock draft at some point in the next week or so. I think it was a 14 yep. team single quarterback. Dustin had the 101. I went 114. We have the board if you're interested to see how it turned out, but we will do yeah. it again uh, For and sure. get some guys in there. A little bit closer. Um, stay tuned, though, because, uh, you know, we've got some – we're not going to release names yet, um, but we've got, yet. Some, yet. <laughs> we've got some We've got some big names uh, coming up in August that we, uh, we're going to be interviewing, having on the show. We're very excited. People have been very gracious with their time in in lending with and lending to us and, and taking the time out of their their busy schedule. So come draft season, by, you're gonna. I big you mean colossal, like yeah, some some of the very, biggest names, the biggest some names of in the, the absolute space, biggest names. Um, you're gonna see on this show. We're gonna be bringing you great content, great conversation, and you're gonna hear it from us as well as the other experts. So stay tuned. Announcements to come later in the off season. Um, for the time being, though, thank you so much for joining us. It's been so much fun having y'all. Have a good night. Have a good rest of your week. And as always, losing sucks. Don't do it. Don't do it.